Welcome to the Think Orange podcast. We've been having a lot of conversations at Orange about what it looks like to lead humans. And we know that's not easy when it comes to kids, teenagers, volunteers, and parents. We'll be headed to 14 cities this fall where we'll be talking about that from a practical level. We hope to see you in a city near you. But we want to invite you into some behind-the-scenes conversations as we begin preparing for each and every town that we'll be headed to. So we've invited some of our favorite thinkers. Let's hop into the conversation. All right, this is the Think Orange Podcast. I'm Sojo, and we are back with Kristen Ivey, Shane Sanchez, talking about parents. It's time to talk about those that we are serving. Shane, I love this for you because you not only served in Phoenix, uh, overseeing high school, but you came here to Atlanta, served as well, now overseeing our student department here with the curriculum and everything. And and here's what I love about Kristen with your story. You started in Parents, Parent Q. Was mm-hmm. it Parent Q back then? I don't think it was called Perry Q. Actually, I was brought in as the leader of Family Times Resources, which was a subscription Family box Times. Okay. ahead of its time yep. into wow. the home uh, to help support parents raise their kids in faith long before I was a parent. Uh, president, obviously the author of Phase, something that we use, a resource that so many churches are now using to help understand students as well as connect with parents as to how we can best lead uh, in this time and generation, which brings me to the question that we're going to dive into today. And, and that is obviously with times changing, we already talked about it in several podcasts before, and that is post-COVID, there's difficulty connecting with people. Parents are no exception. So <laughs> what is the real reasons parents aren't returning in this chapter for the church? And so, uh, Shane, I'm going to kick it to you. <laughs> Perfect. Great. Uh, what are some things that you've been seeing as to what's been making the obstacles or roadblocks for parents today? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the first thing that pops in my mind is the relevancy of what the church is offering for parents. So I, we focus a lot on what we're offering to their kids and to their students, mm-hmm. which which matters to them. But I think if they can find that in different avenues or something that feels similar to it, mm-hmm. then they're going, okay, well, well what else? Mm-hmm. And if the church isn't offering anything for the parents to help them become a better parent, to help them navigate the difficulties of parenting, because there are, there are plenty of difficulties. Mm-hmm. And even to celebrate the great things that, that come up as a parent, if those things aren't being offered, I wonder if they're sitting back and going, I don't, I don't know if that's for me. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what pops into my mind first. So, and, and I want to ask you this specifically. You've been crafting messages on the West Coast in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. You came here, crafted messages in the South, yeah. uh, working with Southern parents. <laughs> yeah. uh, now you're crafting messages more globally. Yeah. So you're, you're looking at a much larger picture. Is, are there new challenges that you've been facing now, saying, with, the, with this new chapter and crafting the curriculum now? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, there are things that I've discovered to be true about parents globally, you know, as far as our reach goes, but there are definitely differences in, in context. Like Mm -hmm. that is one of the biggest things that I've learned. I mean, you are, you're working through generational differences as parents are now they're getting, I want to say they're getting older, but I guess they're getting younger, if you will, generationally. (laughs) So they have different upbringings. They have different mentalities about the Mm -hmm. way the world works. That's Mm -hmm. a big one that jumps out at me. I think about the fact that most of the parents, whether, whether that be parents of students or kids, most of the parents I think are millennials now, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is radically different than mm-hmm. what it was even, you know, 10 years ago. So those generational differences are a really big one. And then you factor in, in different areas of the country, just how big of a difference the cultures are. All of that plays mm-hmm. into 
what we're creating for parents. I know mm-hmm. on my journey as a church leader, uh, I experienced parents through one facet. I remember reading phase and my world was shaken because I realized, oh gosh, the millennial parent, I didn't have as much interaction <laughs> with the millennial parent mm-hmm. in my days. But yeah. Kristen, share some of what your journey has been as you've been researching parents, not mm-hmm. just talking to them, but researching them and asking them questions as to what matters most to them. Absolutely. I think the questions we ask are the most important thing about how we're going to discover doing ministry moving forward. Mm. Uh, The last two years, we entered into a multi-year research project. We wanted to understand what parents want for their kids, what they're afraid of, uh, where they're going for help, how they feel supported, uh, how confident they are in their parenting. And so uh, that is something that we put together in a book that we published last April, but we're continuing to dive in, not only to what we found in the research, but what church leaders are doing with that as they begin to experiment with those findings in Mm -hmm. their communities. Mm -hmm. This is one of the greatest challenges that we have. How are we going to engage families as they build a foundation of faith for the next generation, for preschoolers, all the way through high school? What does that mean and what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I want to even challenge the question, you know, why aren't parents coming back to church or why aren't parents attending regularly? Because I think it's what you were saying, Shane, when you're like, what about asking ourselves, why would a parent want to come? Mm-hmm. What is mm-hmm. the value that we provide as a ministry? And is that value found in attendance? Mm-hmm. Is that value found in other things? But what kind of value are we providing that is so important that parents need it in order to help build that foundation of faith in their kid's life. Well, it's easy because for a long time you you would judge based on salvations in your program. You'd mm-hmm. say we had X amount of salvations or X amount of kids come back this week. Uh, and you didn't necessarily measure the engagement of the family, which mm-hmm. is what you're talking about, which is mm-hmm. a new concept for a lot of churches. But the importance you're saying is, yeah, the child could be coming back every week. Sure, you might have a salvation in the high school, middle school, but the reality is something even more beautiful could happen when you engage those around that mm-hmm. that child, that they're around uh, the rest of the week, really. I mean, mm-hmm. the other six days. So yeah. talk a little bit more about that. There's a tendency in our culture for us as adults to love children and love teenagers, but not love each other as adults. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so I was a teacher and I'll tell you, like I went into teaching and very quickly found myself in the middle of (laughs) some, you know, I mean, conversations among (laughs) teachers, sometimes they aren't always positive about parents, especially I was a high school teacher, (laughs) you know, and, and I found myself thinking, yeah, these parents, they don't get it. You know, they're not connected to what their kids are going through. It's just, it's easy to fall into that trap. So teachers can blame parents, parents blame teachers. We see that at play a Mm -hmm. lot right now. As ministry leaders, we can blame teachers and parents. But every adult influence in a kid or teenager's life tends to think there's a problem with the other adults who influence this kid or teenager. Mm. And we all are trying to influence the kid or teenager. And I think it takes a different mindset to go, wait, 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 wait. What if we saw each other as allies and teammates And even if we don't agree about everything, we agree about the future of this kid. So let's just prioritize for that and get on the same team for their sake. I guess I want you both to put your parent hats on. I'm looking at a dad. I'm looking at a mom. So for a second, we'll dive into the professional aspect as to the complexities in the church. But for now, Shane, the dad, Mm -hmm. what are some of the worries you have right now? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, that's a big question. Uh, So I'm a dad of four. I have a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. Golly. Three boys, one little girl. Um, And our house is, I I mean, honestly, I'm just worried about our house burning down at some point. (laughs) I'm a little concerned they're going to damage something or break a window or each other. I'm not sure how that works. You'd but, be a millennial um, pair. Are you a millennial pair? Yeah, I'm a millennial pair. Millennial pair. You know, <laughs> millennial pair yeah. four. Dad yes, four. I love yes. it. Okay. 
Um, the, the worries that I have right now for, for our kids are, I think for the oldest two, in a way, and then I'll, I'll talk about the youngest two. Uh, the oldest two, there's some social concern there. Mm-hmm. I think they're entering, you know, early, they're in early elementary school and mm-hmm. friends matter mm-hmm. so much. I think they matter more to my wife and I than they do to them <laughs> because we're looking and going, oh my gosh, like what is going to happen? Are these friends they're making right now going to determine the rest of their life? Yeah. <laughs> seven, you know, yeah. oh, this is seven, yeah. but we're legitimately have some worry mm-hmm. around that. I mm-hmm. think, uh, you know, we worry about how they're, they're doing educationally, how they're developing, even physically, emotionally, mm-hmm. all of those different areas. And then for our younger two, some of those things remain. I think socially, because of the pandemic that, that we were in, we wonder for our three-year-olds specifically who has grown up in that. Okay, what what impact does that have? I mean, he's a happy kid, a fun kid, but we actually have some concern of like, man, we've gotten to experience how amazing this kid is, but other people haven't much yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a real worry that we carry. And then I think with, at least for, for me as a dad, with our little girl comes a totally different level of complexity in the sense that I, I I've never raised a girl. I have three boys, and I know that <laughs> I know that even now, as she's mm-hmm. as she's really little, um, want to make sure to invest in her and to empower mm-hmm. her and to help her develop as a, as a human, but also as a hopefully a, a, a strong woman with opinions mm-hmm. and thoughts and ideas in the future as well. So. There's a lot there to unpack. I know that's not what we're <laughs> no, here for. No, I, I love but, exactly. Yeah, no, but here's yeah. why it's so important. Because as, as we're gathering an orange tour and we're going from city to city, a lot of times the staff and volunteers are parents as well. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of them are sending their mm-hmm. children to these programs that for they're sure. leading in. For sure. or, or they're leading adjacent to their oh, kids. Yeah. And so it matters so much. Their investment is, mm-hmm. is there because they're saying, my little one is walking through. Mm-hmm. So I want to give. I want to serve. But they care about what's being said to them. And yeah. they care about what's happening in those little ones' lives. Kristen, I'll ask you as the mom, what are the things right now that are on your mind? Well, so I have three kids. Uh, they're just a little bit older. Our oldest just turned 13. So they're 13. Uh, one's about to turn 11 and the other one is seven. And yeah. so we're in these kind of preteen and elementary years. And um, especially, you know, with the oldest right now, I think about helping them tap into their potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're really starting to uh, become a, a new version of themselves. And it's a lot of the same things that we saw early on. It's mm. so fun in this stage to think, oh, we saw this in you when you were two and when mm. you were three, but now all of a sudden it's really, uh, you know, blossoming in a new way and helping them find their potential so that they can kind of test out, you know, what they're capable of mm-hmm. in a new and the pressure sense. on teenagers now are so it's immense. Oh, there's to figure tons out who they are right now. Oh, at, yeah, yeah, at fourteen, yeah. like yeah. figure it out. Absolutely, there's mm-hmm. tons, and there's social pressure, mm-hmm. right? Because if their friends are doing these things, yeah. you know, should they be doing these things? And the friendship pressures don't go away. Still thinking about, you know, how are they connected to their peers, and what are their peers mm-hmm. saying, and mm-hmm. what are they thinking and doing? What are they being exposed to? Yep, yep. Um, how fast are they growing up? I think you know every parent in this season is going. How do we? keep you in childhood for as long as Mm -hmm. you can be a kid. We're not trying to rush through this thing. And yet (laughs) the world is coming at you so fast. So there's, I don't know, fears and hopes and Mm -hmm. dreams and Mm -hmm. all the things. Mm -hmm. So now as we're moving in the the church, what are the real reasons parents are having a difficult time returning? What are some of the things that you all have learned or been seeing, I would say, over the last two years? I think one of them is just pace. Right. I mean, the pace was already unsustainable for many families before the pandemic. And Mm. I think almost one of the gifts of the pandemic to all of us is there was this season where we maybe had an opportunity to reflect and go, okay, 
if we weren't moving at a sustainable pace, mm-hmm. then what do we need to change or what do we need to do in order to have rest in our lives and in order to foster real connection with the people that are closest to us? And that happens at home. You know, a lot of parents are looking for connection with their kids. They're hoping their kids will form healthy relationships with each other, with uh, their caregivers. And that takes a little bit of margin in your schedule. So everybody's evaluating their calendar. Everybody's going, okay, what are the things that can give so that we can have space to breathe together as a family? Mm, That's good. Yep. Uh, Well, I was just going to add to that. I think I think parents may be wondering, does the church care about the things that I care about? Mm-hmm. Are, are they are they concerned about the things that I'm concerned about? Mm-hmm. The, they, they may be waiting to go, okay, is the church going to talk about things like mental health? Mm-hmm. Is the church, um, um, do they care about the, the physical development or, mm-hmm. you know, even nutrition of mm-hmm. our, our kids? I know in the research, we saw that mm-hmm. pop up. Uh, they, they may be just waiting mm-hmm. and going, hey, as we reemerge into the world and we figure out our routines and our schedules and all of that, again, is this worth it? Which is mm-hmm. hard. Like that creates yeah. tension for me to even mm-hmm. say that out loud because mm-hmm. I would real. go, absolutely it is. But I think parents may be wondering like, mm-hmm. is this actually worth it? Right. Well, Kristen, you you know, I mean, you had a chance to talk to some parents and mm-hmm. you, I love this book, what most parents aren't telling you. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you found that they've been saying? Well, one of the things that stood out the most was uh, we did two separate studies, one of parents who are attending church consistently and one of parents who really aren't going to church at all, or maybe they don't even value faith. And those two studies uh, showed us some pretty remarkable things. Who are the better parents? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's thinking it right now. Who's better? Who's Who's better who won? Who won? <laughs> it is not that kind of result. So, but go ahead and share. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think one of the things that stood out really the most is there's very little difference. Mm. In in essence, uh, parents had the same things that they hope and they value for their kids. They both value their physical health really highly. Mm-hmm. You already yeah. referenced that. Their mental health way up there at the top of the list. So parents who are attending church and parents who are not attending church, sometimes I think as ministry leaders, we want to make them into two categories of totally different kinds of parents. Mm -hmm. And the reality is they're more alike than they are, you know, not alike. I Mm. mean, they have more in common with each other. So we need to start asking ourselves first and foremost, what do parents value? What are they looking for? What do they fear? And stop you know, putting them into two buckets of the, you know, the faithful and the unfaithful and start thinking, what do people who are raising humans value? Mm, that's good. That's Shane, good. you have led two ministries now. A lot of times it's talked often about what to do with difficult students. Mm-hmm. Mm. It is not oftentimes talked about <laughs> of how to navigate difficult mm. parents. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the things that you found in mm-hmm. leading and, and, and bumping into parents at times? Yeah, you just ignore their emails. You know, that's typically <laughs> the easiest way. That's the best approach. That you just don't don't deal with it, right? I think that's, they're I think not that's here. the wise thing. Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, yeah, out of sight, out of mind. No, um, um, I, I really do think, again, regardless of their background, regardless of the preconceived notions that we may have about a parent when we experience, you know, whether it is that email or it's Mm -hmm. that approach Mm -hmm. or it's that phone call, I think if we value and go, hey, they want what's best for their kid. Mm -hmm. And we choose to have that assumption. We change our assumptions Mm -hmm. from whatever negative ones may exist and go, you know what? They love their kid. And I'm going to choose to believe that even Mm -hmm. sometimes when it's hard to see it or Mm -hmm. when it feels like, you know, they're more frustrated than anything. That assumption changes the way that you respond in the email. Mm -hmm. It changes 
the approach that you have in the relationship with that parent, it, it goes from, hey, this is just a short-term problem to, hey, hopefully this is a long-term connection that comes out of it. And I think really just having a new assumption of parents, it, it changes everything about the way we approach, this, especially difficult ones. This is good because we're beginning, we're beginning to think orange now yeah, because yeah. it's easy for you to become offended by something that they said yep. and, and and begin to uh, and begin to prioritize yourself more than you should. Mm. And you start prioritizing your few hours with mm-hmm. that kid over the many hours that that mm-hmm. parent has. And when you begin to shift and say, hey, rather than damage who this child will be going home with mm-hmm. every single day. I, yeah. I'd rather put my ego aside, put my anger aside, maybe, even maybe my understanding aside. Because sometimes parents do things that you're you're oh, yes. not quite oh, sure yes. why nope. you yep. do that to yep. punish them. Okay, <laughs> we I want to honor that. But Kristen, talk talk a little bit about what it looks like for us to say, hey, we have to have boundaries, and we oh. have to acknowledge the fact that that is the parent, and we are the volunteer or the That's staff, right. right? That's right. I know when I first started leading small groups of teenagers. I would listen to these teenagers tell their stories about what happened at home. And it wasn't like I was trying to sabotage the relationship at home, <laughs> but I would hear these, you know, you know, what they would share. And I'd think, oh, I, I just don't know why mm-hmm. they would do that. And in my just inclination to empathize with a teenager, I didn't realize that I was leveraging their relational tension mm. between themselves and a caregiver for my relational gain as a volunteer. Wow. And it was hurting that very kid that I was trying to show up for and love. Because you're right. They spend more time with their caregiver. They spend more time with their grandma. They spend more time with their aunt. They spend more time with their parent. They spend more time with their mom's boyfriend than they're (laughs) going to ever spend with me as a volunteer. And that's okay. That's that's how life Mm -hmm. works. Mm -hmm. And if you can't posture yourself to go, okay, maybe the best thing that I could do in this moment is to fight for your relationship mm, yeah. with somebody who's going to be in your life much longer than I will be. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. then we can miss the whole point to begin with. Sometimes that I, it's the ideal versus the reality mm-hmm. of saying like, yeah. look, ideally, I wish I could I could be there every day, but I can't be every day. Mm-hmm. So what's the best decision? What's the wisest decision, I should mm-hmm. say, I should do uh, for your behalf? Uh, what are some things that you're seeing at churches? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of positive stories uh, mm-hmm. as far as churches that are making the right steps to re-engaging parents. What are some things that churches could be, could be considering That's in true. the positive aspect? Yeah. I have several. I don't know. I mean, one of those is uh, pay attention to what, you know, parents really are looking for. I think that's first and foremost. Versus what you want them to look for. Right. (laughs) We all want them to be looking for Mm -hmm. attending our program more consistently Mm -hmm. so that our numbers will look good for Mm -hmm. our senior leadership and everything goes well, you know. Um, But what is it that they're really looking for? Another thought I had while you were talking, Shane, Mm -hmm. is I remember talking to a leader who said to me, I asked this question, I said, do you ever have tension between your role in next-gen ministries and the adult ministries? Yeah. Because oftentimes as churches, we staff adult ministry Mm -hmm. and then we staff kids ministry or youth ministry separate. And I remember they looked right at me and they were like, you know, I had to realize very shortly into this, there's no such thing as a kids pastor who's not an adult pastor. That's good. Wow. There's no such thing as a youth pastor who's Mm -hmm. not an adult pastor. Mm -hmm. Sometimes as ministries, we have to start blurring those lines if we're going to be effective at really helping family relationships win. 
Mm, that's wow. good. There's a, that's definitely something we get to dive and talk about uh, on tour, mm-hmm. and that's good. And a lot of times, it's easy to overlook that. You're so mm-hmm. focused on the kids right in front of you, you forget the fact that you're also ministering to those families as well. Shane, what yeah, you think? That's so good. I, I mean, just on that really quickly, I think it's so easy to try to piggyback as mm-hmm. a student or a kids pastor off of what you're hoping the adult ministries mm-hmm. leader or director is accomplishing. But I think some of the best leaders and some of the greatest contexts that I've seen that are serving parents well, they don't wait for permission. Mm-hmm. Like they, mm-hmm. they just lead out in it. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some simple ways that you can do it. Some of the things that I've seen are, are just telling parents what you're going to talk about. Yep. <laughs> I mean, yep. we, you know, that's, that's something right. that we focus on and we care mm-hmm. a lot about in the curriculum, mm-hmm. but um, no matter how it's done, I think church is just giving a lead and going, Hey, this is where we're headed over the next three or four weeks mm-hmm. can be so significant for mm-hmm. conversations at home. And then I think also um, churches that are willing to tread into really difficult topic mm-hmm. seem to be connecting mm-hmm. well with parents. Yep. Like mm-hmm. I feel like every, yep. every Instagram post I see of a church that's having a conversation about mental health, like it's packed with parents. Yep. Mm-hmm. If they're doing that yep. for parents, mm-hmm. like they're showing up. And mm-hmm. I just wonder, I'm like, gosh, is, is that what parents are waiting for to go? Hey, you know me, you seem to understand some things about me, mm-hmm. or at least some felt needs that I have. And you're willing to talk about it. That could be massive. Research showed that parents were most afraid when it came to mental mm-hmm. health concerns, when it was really? anxiety, depression, body image, yeah. anything in the mental health category, those fears were at the very, very top of the list. So it's no surprise, right, that that's what's reaching parents when yeah. you go, okay, I actually hear what you're afraid of, and we're just going to go there. We're going to talk about it. Yeah. And the thing that I think about as I'm listening to you say that, Shane, is as ministry leaders, it's another thing that we can kind of get when we over-focus on ourselves, and we think that what happens at Sunday is so important, we forget that you can kind of pretend that those issues aren't real on a Sunday morning or Mm. in an hour or like one hour a week on a Wednesday night or whatever Mm. programming hour you have. But if you're a parent in a home, you're the caregiver, you're the family member, you don't get a pass on the difficult conversations and the difficult issues. They are living in your house with Mm. you right now, and you have to have conversations. We are helping kids become critical thinkers, mm-hmm. discover what faith is to themselves. Sometimes when they're walking back home, it can be difficult for them to uh, articulate what they're feeling, what they're thinking, what they're beginning to think about. Uh, what are some stories that you've heard when it comes to helping those kids walk back in their homes and some of them being mm-hmm. intimidated, feeling mm-hmm. like there's not a safe place to talk mm-hmm. about it. Some of them not even knowing where to begin. Some of them feeling mm-hmm. like there's distractions all around them. Mm-hmm. What, what are some of the things that you've mm-hmm. been seeing in that aspect? It's mm-hmm. good. Uh, what, what comes to mind first for me are the significance of moments within the context of the ministries that the students or kids are a part of. I think for a kid or a student to come home and have those types of conversations with their parents just out of the blue mm-hmm. or on any given Sunday is like, <laughs> wait a second, what? I actually do think that this could be one of the best ways that a church can leverage things like events or moments, camps or yep. you know special mm-hmm. weekends or whatever that looks like they tend to be easier to talk about. Mm -hmm. A student can come home and say, hey, this thing happened, but attached to it, a parent's able to ask a question of like, Mm -hmm. what did you talk about? Or like, what came up? Like, or what's a small group or whatever else Mm -hmm. that looks like? So I see that as being a really great launching pad for conversations that happen at home. It's good. I think thinking about those conversations too, I I know so oftentimes in small group contexts, I had questions that were prompts to ask kids how they were going to talk about this, you know, on Tuesday at school or how they would talk about this with their friends. But I think just adding in a couple of questions that say, how would you talk about this at home? Mm-hmm. How might you talk about yeah. this with your siblings? Or how would you talk about this with your caregiver, with your parent? It kind of prompts that, that opportunity to think mm-hmm. about how will the conversation at home go? Yeah. 
and practice it in small group or, you know, practice that dialogue or what that might sound like. What I love is that parents get a chance to see their kids every day. And so they notice transformation when Mm -hmm. it's happening in front of them. And Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many emails we would receive of parents saying, I wasn't interested in your church at all. But when I saw Mm -hmm. my kids start acting like this in the home Mm -hmm. and things that he used, he or she used to say, now all of a sudden Mm -hmm. they're saying this, I need to know. What kind of place is this <laughs> yes. that is making this mm-hmm. kind of change on right. my kid? Because this is a totally different young man mm-hmm. or young woman. And so I do think even the mm-hmm. actions, the transformation, visibly being able to be seen in the home mm-hmm. can create so many seeds uh, of trust yeah. that parents might have when it comes to uh, the church. So mm-hmm. when it comes to staff, um, and we're, we're talking about them working with volunteers, what could we give as advice for, obviously we have our pillars mm-hmm. as to how, what we mm-hmm. think we should do with parents, but what, what would you say to volunteers, Shane? Yeah, that's good. Um, I would say you you can't give up on communication. Like, that's good. It's, it's, it's one of the things that I think volunteers can grow weary on really, really quickly. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm sending the emails, I'm doing mm-hmm. the things, I have the text set up, and I'm just not hearing back from mm-hmm. people. Uh, what I've seen to be true, I, I mean, I remember this happening in the ministry that I was a part of in Arizona. Uh, there was a student who went through something really, really difficult. I mean, it was really tough. The parents were disconnected from the church completely. Mm -hmm. But when that happened, Mm. the person they reached out to was the small group leader. Mm. So the small group leader is now sitting in a living room Mm -hmm. with these parents that, you know, she's just meeting for the first time Mm -hmm. and and, and beginning to build a relationship with over a crisis situation. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's because of the consistency. It's because they keep showing up even when Mm -hmm. they're not hearing back Mm. that I think those types of of bonds are created. Mm So that's good. Yeah. I'm going to dive us. I'm going to take us down one road that I really want to do with you, Shane, specifically Uh because uh, I think a lot of times when you're sitting with the parent or getting a chance to meet with the parent, when it comes to culture, different Mm -hmm. cultures, ethnicities, Mm -hmm. it it can sometimes intimidate uh, Mm -hmm. certain pastors or staff members. I know my mom uh, was always passionate about me. So when she would meet with some of my teachers, sometimes they could be a bit like, how do I say this? How do I navigate Mm -hmm. it? What what would some suggestions be for you when you're saying, hey, you're sitting with someone that is a different uh, ethnicity than Mm -hmm. you or a different culture than you? Yeah, Yeah, that's a great question. I think... I think it's really, really important to understand that there are gaps in our understanding of someone else's mm-hmm. story. So good. We never fully understand what it's like to be in the shoes of someone else. So that could be racial mm-hmm. diversity. That could mm-hmm. be, I think, socioeconomic diversity. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could be all sorts of, of different things. So I think it's important to acknowledge that. But at the same time, I think, I think that there are principles that are true across cultures when it comes to what parents care about. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, the biggest one is their kid. Okay. Like they care about at the so end good. of the day, even mm-hmm. if they have different approach, even if we can't understand certain things. And even if those mm-hmm. are because of cultural differences, it's like, well, they have a kid that they're mm-hmm. raising and want the best for. Mm-hmm. So again, mm-hmm. if I go in assuming that that is true, mm-hmm. I'm going to learn some things along the way mm-hmm. because I'm assuming also that I don't have everything figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at the same time, I'm going to leave space for the differences that w- we may have. And mm-hmm. I guess it's in that, that yeah. hopefully you learn something. And not just space, I'd say like, I think it's true. All the kids are the same. Uh, They might have different circumstances as to what's bringing, causing that pain or wound, what it is. But I would say the difference is when you're able to celebrate Mm -hmm. uh, someone's differences and say, I Mm -hmm. I love that. And now that you've told me that or shown me that, I'm going to look forward Mm -hmm. to reading more about it or understanding Mm -hmm. more about it. Anytime I can do that on different Mm -hmm. cultures, I know it goes a long way because it's saying, I know you and I have a different heritage, Mm -hmm. but I have the privilege Mm -hmm. of asking you these questions, listening, and then learning further without you sitting in front of me. Mm -hmm. What you said was so impactful, it's inspired me to continue to learn more about your story. And I think that really does 
does mm-hmm. to the person who's concerned because you're like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Listening and then saying what you said has inspired me to fill in the blank yep. truly goes yep. a long way yep. when mm-hmm. saying this person not only listens to me, but they, they're they they're making the attempt to understand me yeah. even more. So what are your thoughts, Kristen? That's just, it's one of the most important conversations. Mm-hmm. I love that you say you can't fully understand somebody else's story because that is so critical Working with a family unit with the entire family is so complex because mm-hmm. nothing is more personal than family. Yeah. It's so deeply personal and it's rooted in your history. It's rooted in, you know, where you grew up and what your personal story looks like. And so I think there's a lot of hesitancy sometimes from leaders who will say, gosh, that's such a big ask. Mm. I don't even feel qualified for that. Mm. Um, and But I, I think we just would say the mission is too important not to try, not Mm -hmm. to approach it with curiosity and learning like you're talking about, Sojo. Mm -hmm. In the research, we did separate out by race different parent groups to understand where ethnicities might impact what parents value, what parents Mm -hmm. fear, what parents hope for their kids, where they're going for support. And we did find differences. And then we had some leaders who've been working maybe in some different cultural pockets to reflect on that and help us interpret what we were seeing so that we could listen and learn just a few things that might, you know, be nuanced or be different in somebody else's experience, but it's so, so, so important. Mm-hmm. How we love one another. I think us getting out of our comfort zones and continuing to to love these kids the best we can. Are there any last thoughts you'd have to the parents that uh, that these wonderful leaders are working with day in and day out? Yeah, I, I think there's this one question that's popped in my head as we've been talking, and it's, what if they don't show back up? Mm-hmm. And I think it's an important question because we have a responsibility even in that tension. Mm-hmm. If, if we ask ourselves, hey, what if they never come back into my space again? Is there a way that mm-hmm. I can still serve the parents in my community? Mm-hmm. It could change everything yep. about the way we approach this conversation. So mm-hmm. my, my, my hope is that we could maybe tread into that space too. Absolutely. Yes, we want to see them come back. And yes, we'll, we'll see that happen with some mm-hmm. of the things that we've been talking about, but there are still parents to serve. Mm-hmm. There's still parents that, that, that Jesus loves Mm -hmm. deeply and wants us to love as well. Mm -hmm. And I think if we could tread into that space, Mm -hmm. that could be the church moving and and changing and also impacting a generation and maybe a way that we never have before. It's a great prompt. I think in the next team meeting, some people should toss Mm -hmm. that out there to their teams. What if they don't show back up? Mm -hmm. That is something to wrestle with and really begin to explore. Kristen, what do you think? I would leave it right there. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the question. Mm -hmm. If we're here to disciple a generation, help them have a better faith and a better future, we have to begin by asking that question, not how do we get them to show up to our programming, but Mm -hmm. how are we going to support parents as they disciple their kids and participate in the process? One of the things we're most excited about with the research is really that we're continuing to learn. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're continuing to listen. And as we hear how leaders are practicing innovative strategies to reach parents and support parents and respond to what we're hearing parents say they want for their kids, uh, we're bringing those conversations on the road for Mm -hmm. Orange Tour. So that we can be in a conversation really in every city that we go to, to listen to what leaders are saying, and then to share those stories with each other to say, okay, we know that this is a challenge for you right now. It's a challenge for everybody. In a world where parents aren't coming back to church, maybe at the level that they might have been before the pandemic, we're all trying to figure this out. How do we support parents as they nurture the faith of their kids and teenagers. And we just can't wait to share those conversations with each other this fall. Kristen Ivy, Shane Sanchez, you have given us some gold to think about. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for joining us this week on Think Orange Podcast. We hope to continue this conversation on tour in a city near you. Head on over to orangetour.org and we can't wait to see you soon.